I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. In a September 28th speech at Harvard's Kennedy School, Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos drew her audience's attention to a just-released report from the Urban Institute. The left-leaning D.C. think tank is hardly the first place that members of President Trump's cabinet typically turn to for evidence to support their policy agendas. Yet its new report finds that a Florida policy designed to expand access to private schools, a key priority for Secretary DeVos, has helped more low-income students enroll in college. I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by the lead author of that report, Matt Chingos. Matt is the director of the Education Policy Program at the Urban Institute and, I should note, an executive editor at EdNext. You can find an essay discussing his new study's findings and a link to the full report at educationnext.org. Matt, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thanks for having me. So what is the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program? It's a bit different from a traditional private school choice program, so I wonder if you could start out by telling listeners how it works and why you think it's worth studying. So the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship is basically a statewide, means-tested voucher program. But it's not called a voucher program because instead of directly giving public money as vouchers to low-income students, it's run through uh, through the tax code. So basically the way it works is that businesses in Florida uh, make contributions to nonprofit organizations. Currently, really, there's just one organization called Step Up for Students. Um, And Step Up for Students, the nonprofit organization, then grants scholarships uh, to students who meet the eligibility requirements, which during the period we look at in our study is you have to be from a family making less than 185% of the federal poverty level. It's the same cutoff for the federal free and reduced price lunch program. It's gone up up, uh, more recently, but that's what it is in the period we look at. Um, and then the business, so the business makes the donation to the uh, to the scholarship funding organization, and then the business gets a 100% tax credit. So if they donate $10,000, that reduces their tax liability to the state of Florida by $10,000. So it doesn't cost them anything. Um, and by running the money through the tax code this way. Um, in, in many states, it's helped the program survive uh, court uh, scrutiny in the state courts, which sometimes are are concerned about uh, federal, uh, rather uh, public money going to private schools due to requirements in state constitutions. So Florida's uh, tax credit scholarship program now enrolls over 100,000 students. It's the largest private school choice program in the country. And as these programs roll out across the country, I think they've uh, the number of such programs has tripled over the past decade or so. Um, we thought it was worth taking a look at what's the long-term impact, not, not looking at test scores in the first couple of years, but what's the impact on college enrollment and college graduation. So for all intents and purposes, this program is a voucher program. The government is taking in less revenue, and a student, a low-income student, is ending up in a private school as a result. And this approach is one that a number of states have found attractive. I believe last time I checked, there were about 16 states that had some form of scholarship tax credit program uh, on the books. Uh, and so you all are looking at Florida as the largest uh, and one of the longest running. And as you do so, let's 
talk a bit about the methods that you use. We you know, often say that the best way to study the effects of school choice programs on students who participate is through experiments or you know, uh, lottery-based evaluations when programs are oversubscribed. That wasn't possible in this case. So what did you all do as an alternative? What we do is we identify tax credit scholarship students who were in the public schools before they uh, went to a private school. And during the period we study, you had to go to the public school before you could go to a private school for, for most kids. Um, and then we find other kids who were in the same school in the same grade in the same year before those kids went on to private schools, had similar demographics, similar baseline test scores, but did not go on to participate in the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program in the future. We then fast forward the clock, you know, however five or ten, however many years you need to, to look at whether those students enrolled in a public college in Florida uh, within two years of when we would have expected them to graduate from high school. So you're right, the, the method is not as airtight as a randomized experiment, because with an experiment, it's just a coin flip that determines who gets it and who doesn't. So there's really no differences uh, between, on average, between students who get a program and don't. Here we can't do that, so we're doing the best we can by matching on, uh, you know, comparing kids who are in the same school, so they're probably from the same neighborhoods, um, similar family incomes and in that they're eligible for the free lunch program, similar performance on state tests and math and reading. So, so they look the same, except one group participates and the other doesn't. And when you make these comparisons, when you fast forward the clock, as you say, what do you find? So we find that the kids who participated in the tax credit program for at least one year are more likely uh, to enroll in a Florida public college. The difference is about six percentage points, or about a 15% difference. Almost all of the effect is due to enrollment in two-year colleges, or they call them Florida State Colleges in Florida. That's where most kids, especially kids from low-income families, go to college. And so, but the interesting thing is that's the overall effect for participating for at least one year. Um, we find that the more years students participate, the larger the effect appears to be. So if you participate for just one year, there's basically no effect. So if you, and I think that's sort of interesting because if you were worried that really we're just picking up parental motivation and that these kids who participate are different on things that we don't measure, you'd think that then those kids who, even if you only participate for one year, you'd have that, those motivated parents, you'd be more likely to go to college. That's not the case. After two years, you see a bit more of an effect, and then after three and four years, you see even larger effects. Now, of course, you have to be concerned that, you know, there are different things about those kids, kind of a more stable educational experience. Maybe that's the effect of the program, but maybe that's just something about their families that we're not capturing. So you have to be a little bit careful interpreting those results, but I think the pattern is consistent with a positive effect of private school enrollment for the kids who choose to do it um, on college enrollment that is increasing in the number of years that students participate. So I think you said that the overall effect for all students who participate during your study period was a six percentage point increase, and that translated into a 15% increase. One of the things that implies is that the base rate of college enrollment among the types of families who are eligible and enrolling in the tax credit scholarship program in Florida is quite low. That's right. So for kids uh, who uh, who were similar to kids who participated but did not, in fact, participate, the rate of college enrollment is something like 38 or 40 percent um, in, in any type of college, much lower for four-year colleges. Most of that is in, is in two-year colleges. Now, m most research on private school choice program has looked not at educational attainment as an outcome, but rather at student achievement. 
primarily by looking at the effect of using a voucher, a government-funded scholarship, on standardized test scores. Is it possible to do so in the case of the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program? Unfortunately, not really. So Florida has for many years required uh, participating private schools that have at least 30 scholarship kids to administer a standardized test, but it's a norm reference test they can pick from a list, I think, of about 15 tests. So it's not the same test across private schools, and most importantly, it's not the same test as the test that's used in public schools. So there have been some efforts over the years to try and put those tests on a similar scale and see how the scholarship kids perform relative to, to similar kids in in public schools. And the analyses that do exist suggest perhaps no effect or maybe a slight advantage for the scholarship kids. Um, but it's hard to really interpret that evidence because it's, it doesn't rest on much in terms of uh, the, the underlying test score data. So in the context of this one study, it's very difficult to speak to how this program may be impacting students' outcomes as measured by standardized tests. We can look more confidently at educational attainment. But I think this study is nonetheless begins to illustrate or is consistent with a pattern that is starting to emerge in the literature on private school choice where we haven't seen much in the way of consistent effects on student test scores, but have begun to accumulate a set of results suggesting positive effects on educational attainment. So I'm thinking here, for example, of the Washington, D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program, where the congressionally mandated evaluation found no effects on test scores, but a quite substantial 21 percentage uh, or 21 percent increase in high school graduation rates. Uh, we have positive evidence of effects on college enrollment from the Milwaukee Parental School Choice Program, uh, but not on test scores. Uh, your own work on a privately funded New York City voucher program suggested positive effects on college enrollment and even completion for black and Hispanic students, but no effects on test scores for those students. Do you agree with me that this is something of an emerging pattern in the literature on private school choice? And if so, what do you make of it? So I think it's fair to characterize it as an emerging pattern. I'd emphasize the emerging part because, you know, the, the number of studies is pretty limited. I think uh, you mentioned basically all of them. Um, you know, New York City was a small, privately funded program, hard to know what to make of it. You know, as you know, there, there were some contested but some, uh, some estimated effects on the test scores of African-American students. Um, you know, Washington, D.C., there's people have raised questions about high school graduation because it was self-reported by the parents. Not that there's not a reason to believe it, but it'll be interesting to see as we can maybe track those kids as they go on uh, to college. Um, so, so I think there is something of a pattern here, um, but these are still relatively small programs, right? The D.C. program is a small program. Milwaukee is, is one city. As, as states adopt these, you know, larger, more scaled-up statewide programs, I think it'll be really interesting to continue to track those because, you know, as you know, um, we've seen some negative uh, impacts on test scores in places like Indiana and Louisiana. So, so the real test, I think, for some of these programs will be what does what the long-run attainment evidence look like in a state where the short-run test score evidence is negative? So let's turn to policy implications. Obviously, Secretary DeVos, in citing your study, was suggesting that we should be paying attention to it. Uh, it's not clear whether she and the Trump administration will be pushing for direct federal support for uh, a 
uh, tax credit scholarship program. Um, but do you think your study suggests that's something that they should be considering? I'm not sure our study says a whole lot about what federal policymakers should do. I think our study absolutely ought to be encouraging to folks who are thinking about these programs at the state level. I mean, of course, this doesn't mean that this would work anywhere or that any program design will have a positive effect. There's different ways to design these things. I think the Florida program is considered a relatively more regulated program. Um, it hasn't had some of the issues on the kind of uh, tax gaming side with people running profits off, off them that we've had to worry about in some, some other places. At the federal level, I think there's a whole bunch of issues our study doesn't address that get thrown into the mix, and that's really is how do you design a uh, school choice tax credit program from Washington? You know, what's the role of the federal government and the IRS in deciding you know, what's an eligible private school? What's an eligible scholarship funding organization? And you start to hit a bunch of really thorny questions about um, the, the, the role of the federal government and then the kind of interplay the, between the federal government and the state governments. You know, for example, does the federal government say, all right, we want to expand private school choice, so we're going to target states, the money to states that don't already have this, but then it seems sort of unfair to freeze out places like Florida that are already doing it, or do they decide we're going to give it to everybody, and then really you're just going to crowd out a bunch of spending on private school choice that's already happening in, in Florida. Um, so I haven't seen a what seems to me a workable design for a, for a federal policy, um, but I'd certainly be, be interested to see one if it exists. My guest today has been Matt Chingos. Executive Editor of Education Next and Director of the Urban Institute's Education Policy Program. You can find a blog post discussing his new study on our website at educationnext.org. Matt, congratulations on the attention the study is receiving, and thanks for being part of the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the EdNext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or another platform so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.